Hey, I'm Jesse. In our sermon tomorrow, we're going to come from verse 16, and we're going to look at this ministry of reconciliation. This is actually, uh, this, is, this is one of the passages that I, I spoke at my, my son Aiden's funeral. Near and dear to my heart, very important. But I wanted to zoom in on the second of the two verses that we, that we looked at yesterday before we get ready for our sermon tomorrow. And it has to do with dying to self, putting the old self to death. We talked about this in our, in our series on doctrine, but I want to I review it because I, f- I feel like it's something that I would tend to forget from time to time. And it's worth, it's, it's worth being reminded of. Here's Romans chapter 6. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. He goes on to ask the same rhetorical question over again. But Romans chapter 6 really revolves around this same theme of having died to sin. Here's our, here's our verse for today. I wanted to hear Romans 6 once more just as background to really emphasize this truth of the gospel because it's directly counter to our own sort of Americanized gospel, our own conflation of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the American dream. And he died, that's Jesus died, for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. You and I should not live for ourselves. Our ambition for our lives, the goal for our lives, should not be the glorification of self, but the glorification of God. There is greater, ironically, there is greater fulfillment in a life that is devoted to the glory of God than there is a life that is devoted to the glory of self. A selfless life, a gospel-based life, in which we live for the mission of Christ beyond our own earthly ambitions is a life more worthy of living. Because Christ died for us, we put the sinful self to death. We don't just push him to the side and we don't just put him away when it's time to go to church on Sunday mornings and then reassume that selfish ambition, that selfish and sin-based lifestyle throughout the rest of the week. That's fooling no one. Like we saw in our devotion a couple of days ago, what we are is plain to God. He sees that. There's no point in living a fraudulent Christian life. 
be real with your small group and tell them honestly, if that's you, like, look, I know we're supposed to put the sinful self to death, but I feel like I'm living more in my sinful self and my selfish ambition driven by my lusts than I am living for God most of the time. Just be real with them and confess that and be accountable to that and then walk in repentance. This is the way we are called to live as dead men and dead women. When you were baptized, we held a funeral for your sinful self. It is a good thing to have ambition in the vocational sense, the professional sense. It's a good thing if that's in your heart and it is satiable, meaning there actually is some point at which you could say like, yes, this is what God called me to do professionally and I've arrived at this stratus and I'm gonna stay here, I'm gonna provide for my family, give to my church and I'm gonna devote my life to, to ministry in this context. It's, it's a fool's errand if it's never satiated, if it's never sated, you're gonna see full on, the Peter principle, where you're gonna to rise to the level of your, in, uh, your own incompetence, you're gonna fail there. And if your worth is tied up in your vocational, your professional performance, then you're gonna find that you're never satiated, you're never satisfied. You're also gonna find that your, your job now owns you. But if your life is devoted to Christ, then your vocation is a tool to that end. If your life is not devoted strictly to your own professional ambitions, but if your life is devoted to making disciples of Jesus Christ, then your vocation simply becomes the context in which you practice that. This is where the church, the, the, the view of the church shifts when you grasp this. If you look at the church like the place where the pastor ministers to people, then you have a perfectly unbiblical view of what the church is. Rather, church is where the pastor equips you to go minister to people. Every member of the church is a minister. Let that be your godly ambition to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So ambition itself is not a bad thing. In fact, if you have no greater ambition than what you currently are, you likely have a level of contentment that has evaded most of us in the American dream. Problem with the American dream is that you can reach a certain level within it. You can have like the house and the car and the white picket fence and everything and you can feel totally dissatisfied there. And you can practice covetousness and say like, no, I need a bigger house and a faster car. I need a prettier wife. I need smarter kids. And you're never gonna be satisfied. You're gonna constantly climb that ladder and climb and climb and climb and just grow and grow and grow this kingdom for yourself. But ultimately you're just empty inside. Whereas a life that is devoted to making disciples of Jesus Christ, a life that is not lived for the self, but is lived for God, where you view that version of yourself that is devoted strictly to worldly pleasures as just dead. And this new version of you who is alive in Christ, this life, this ambition now is devoted strictly to making disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, now it doesn't matter how big your house is. It doesn't matter how fast your car is. It doesn't matter about the worldly things around you. It doesn't matter where you rise professionally. You can be fully content in the house you have now, the car you have now. The worldly stuff that you have, none of that really matters. You can be content no matter the circumstance, whether you have a lot or you have a little. Where we as Americans, because of our wealth, especially here living in Seattle, I'm gonna speak uh, especially to the Seattleites here. If you live in Seattle, you have to be making some bank to be able to stay here. And the problem with this is that you can reach a worldly level of success and you can sort of conflate that with your Christianity. And you might then look at somebody who has less than you as though they're less godly. Somebody who has more than you as though they're more godly. And you can conflate the two. The American dream and the gospel are not the same thing. They're simply not. 
Your vocation is your ministry context. Let your ambition be to make more disciples of Jesus Christ, not to rise higher and ever higher up a corporate ladder or to amass for yourself more and ever more stuff. That will never satisfy you. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've I've ministered to the millionaires and the billionaires. I know some of them personally because I lived right next to them. And I've seen it. The murder-suicide rate was higher in the most expensive neighborhood in the greater Orlando area than it was anywhere else. Because the lie is that the more you amass for yourself, the happier you're going to be. The devil is so cruel, he'll wait until you've reached that summit to show you that it was all meaningless. And all the while, if you'd lived a life not to yourself, but to God, you'd have had greater fulfillment. You've been rocking that 1,200 square foot home happier than the guy in the mansion. He'll wait until the very end to pull the wool away and let you see the truth. So look at your worldly version of yourself as a dead person. That's not who I am. I have a funeral for him. I have a funeral for her every day. I've died to my own selfish ambitions. Should God choose to bless me with a nice home? Oh man, that's icing on the cake, but it's not everything. Do you understand? Should God give me a raise? Hey, that's more that I can give to my church. That's more I can give to Christian ministry. And such a life that is invested in eternal things is a life that is eternally significant. That's a life truly worth living. At the end of your days, you can look back on such a life that is invested not in the advancement of self, but in the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can say, nothing will ever take this away. This will never spoil. This will never fade. I will reap the fruits from this for all of eternity forevermore. Make sure that your kingdom building is not your own castle, but God's, because that's the one you're going to live in forever.